Welcome to episode number one of the University of Geology podcast. My name is Taylor Dorn, and my co-host is John, who you will hear from in a few short minutes. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to remind everyone to please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe as well. And if you have any questions for this podcast, you can email us at uogpodcast at gmail.com. Our show page is on my personal website, tdgeology.com. And we have a show page on there uh, with our podcast name, and you can look at photos and uh, some more info about the show. And lastly, if you do have a Twitter account, you can follow me at Geologist Taylor. And I think that's about it. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We had a lot of fun making it, and it was, uh, in a lot of ways, very therapeutic for the both of us. And with that, let us begin. I would like to get a, a reviewed copy before these get published. Yeah, Let yeah, that be known. You'll, you'll get a <laughs> Like, uh, well, I said what? Huh? <laughs> how was this wonderful orderly earth of ours formed in the first place? And how long has it been going on? I'm going to apologize for the sound quality beforehand. I guess normally we'll record these inside, yeah. but in Lafayette, Louisiana today is a special day. It's the start of Festival International and it's nice outside. Relatively. Yeah, it's a little windy though. Yeah. Uh, so we figured we'd sit out for the first episode. Uh, we were at the tap room, which I live directly on top of, and we're drinking a couple of pints and we're gonna discuss geology here with you guys today yeah so welcome to the ride <laughs> so today's show gonna be very loose uh, laid-back conversation uh, we'll tell you a little bit about uh, why we got into geology and what we're doing with our degrees so far yep. and then uh, that's pretty much it I don't know how long today's show is gonna go after today's show uh, we will We'll talk briefly, we'll gather some news for you guys, talk about kind of what's going on in the broader field of geology, uh, some news, and then we plan on having some interviews for you guys. I go to the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, so I'll be meeting with some professors and some other grad students so you can hear a little bit about their work, uh, what they plan to do, and any links to their work so you can kind of get on board with that. And then hopefully in the future we can kind of expand and uh, start interviewing other grad students and professors at other universities. Well, that's, that's actually very interesting you bring that up because I'm actually going to be heading back to my home state, Michigan, where I'll have the opportunity to there you go. possibly interview some of uh, the alumni, former faculty. Okay. Yeah. For my, my alma mater. We can do it. But yeah, that's kind of there. the future of the show. We have some other things that we'll kind of work in, but we'll uh, we'll keep those in our back pocket now for whenever we're struggling to come up with content for shows. And I think it's important also, if anyone ever does listen to this, that uh, we can always listen to public feedback. Edited for inappropriateness. Our podcast will mostly be geology. I'm sure we'll get off on some large tangents from here on out. Uh, there are a couple of, there's one really uh, main geology podcast I do want to recommend, and uh, it's Kristen Shorty's 
I don't know if he's still there, but he was a professor in Colorado, but he has a podcast that you can go on his website. It's the Earth and Environmental Systems Podcast. And uh, it's probably like 70 some odd episodes long, uh, but he goes topic by topic. And they're like an hour and a half, two hours long of specific topics in geology. So if you're looking more of uh, for a lecture style geology podcast, that I, that's probably the first one that I would go to. Ours is most definitely will not be like that. No, at least not yet. It's no, or probably ever. I don't feel like reading notes into a microphone. Maybe no. one day. But Christian Shores is actually very entertaining. It. I know he's reading off of notes, but it's very laid back. And it just sounds like you're at some professor's lecture that just really knows his stuff. John. Full, full steam ahead. Yeah. Who the hell are you? My goodness. Yes. Uh, Jonathan. Going to go by John for most of this podcast. Okay. So. Um, yeah. So a little bit about myself. Uh, born and raised in Michigan, southeast. Uh, went to school at Central Michigan University. Coach was. They always tend to fucking say that. It's terrible. <laughs> it's uh, very basic. Yeah. Uh, why did you uh, Why did you decide to get into geology in the first place? Man, geology to me was actually never the primary, uh, my primary intention when going to university. I actually went to school uh, to become a kindergarten teacher. Oh, or, no or elementary school, school teacher, yeah. So uh, I took a couple courses there. Enjoyed it, really enjoyed the outlook, but the teachers were getting railed so fucking hard by yeah. uh, the unions and then restructuring that I felt like it was, I was dedicating too, too many years to just getting fucked over that to me it wasn't worth it anymore and, and I've always been interested in earth science back from high school yeah. and with that uh, I kind of sold myself on the idea that if I was ever going to be a teacher I might as well focus more on the study of the science that I want to teach than become a teacher and know just a little bit about a bunch of different sciences so yeah. I guess that's kind of the problem with the uh, going the education major route well there's so much I understand that there's different uh, focuses and different ways of educating a child but I don't, I don't know about your professors right now, but yeah. like, at least I know that most of mine that I had in university, they, never, they were never teachers. They were just scientists. They got really? their PhDs, and then they became teachers because that's what most PhD yeah. candidates do. True. They never have to take a teaching course. Teaching is just pretty much Yeah, that's actually out. like one of the problems now with, because uh, I'm a TA, and they... I'm sure some universities are very good about this, where they'll train you how to instruct, um, proper ways of grading, how to grade, how to put together tests, test people's knowledge, that kind of stuff. But right. like I get none of that. They just kind of throw you to the wolves. Right. But I think that's like a huge problem with scientists in general is how to communicate just to the general public. And for all intents and purposes, the students, especially freshmen coming in, they are the general public. They have no working knowledge of geology or really anything else so mm -hmm. I mean to say but you kind of do have to dump things down and you have to know exactly how to explain that science to them well it's right so uh, some some students learn through experience some 
through reading, yeah. others through uh, through graphs, other people just want the, the straight up bullet points. So, at least for me, it was I've I've learned over the years that to to be effective communicate it's more about communication than anything at that point. Yeah, you gotta be able to hit those um, key targets: uh, visual stimulation, verbal stimulation, I guess, the yeah. conversation, because everyone's gonna learn pick things up just a little bit differently yeah so that that's just about i just gave you a short course about a year's worth of yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but was it an overnight decision to go into geology or was it kind of a, a gradual transition it did was, you visit somewhere that made you appreciate it more uh it was a mixture actually so as part of my liberal arts degree uh, at the university i went to part of it was to take a science course even though at that point in my life I was going through the education program and I took earth science and earth science was just very general earth processes, volcanology, yeah. uh, geomorphology, uh, hydrogeology and things like that and there was one morning that it was the, the tipping point for me and that was when uh, our, our class took a field trip to a local, local uh, land preserve and our, we were measuring the, we are creating a cross-section of the river's uh, velocity. So we were creating a, a stream or a river velocity cross-section map. Okay. I'm sure there's the correct technical name for that. Is that the right name? That's fine. Okay. Yeah. And, and I thought it was pretty, pretty badass that, you know, some people can have a career in get a degree in going out in nature, strapping on some waders, going out to the middle of a river, and and just taking some measurements and then going back and doing uh, conducting some math and figuring out through diagrams exactly what's going on there, where the cup bank is, where the uh, cup bank is. Some nice point bars. Point bars, yeah. There you go. I, I gotta hit the books <laughs> again, apparently. You don't really talk too much about that shit I'm sure <laughs> I bet not so so that was that was really the tipping point and, and it's hard to really like not get into volcanoes it's true so so that was that was the moment for me and and after that it was just mineralogy petrology and yeah did you have a favorite course that you took no I had favorite teachers ones that I don't want to say yeah um, but, you know, with, with geology, it's really hard to um, exclude one aspect, like, structural from mineralogy, from petrology, from something. They're, yeah, they definitely build on each other. Yeah, they're, they're interwoven into the, the complete science of it, so it touches on all of them. And, and that's, that's one aspect of the study I enjoy. But, um, let me... That that was my my say on it, but let me flip it flip it around and, and get a little bit of Taylor time here. Yeah. So Taylor, for you, uh, let us let us know a little bit more about you. Where you're from? Okay. What you doing? I'm very relaxed right now. Good. I think I I found my my position. This is good. So. Yeah, I was a bad student in high school. And. Oh man. So when I was 15, my, like we took our first trip to, that was my first time ever going to a national park and it was Grand Canyon. So 
we went there, then we went to Vegas and Hoover Dam, all that kind of stuff uh, that we do there. But when we went to the Grand Canyon, it was the West Rim, so it's run, uh, it's under supervision, I guess, of the Havasupai. That's where the uh, that giant walkway, the glass bottom walkway that hangs over the oh, this rim. is the one that like jets out a little bit. Yeah. it's like a horseshoe. Yeah. Okay. That that's on the West Rim. I've seen the how how it was made. Yeah, so the first time we went out there was in the process, like, just beginning to be made. Like, they just started expanding out. So I got to see that. It was kind of cool. But very poor student in high school. I really didn't care. I didn't have uh, too many interests or anything like that. I went to UTSA my for freshman year and pretty much failed out. I think I had, like, a 0.71 GPA. It was pretty awful. And then after that, went to a community school, a community college, and it was a little better. Not by much. Didn't really care. And then, uh, for whatever reason, I just kept going back to that trip to the Grand Canyon, how interested I was in it. I read a lot about geology. That was really the first time I read anything about geology when we went on that trip. <clears throat> and then also, when I was much younger, I went, uh, my grandpa's a truck driver. And so every summer I'd go with him for a couple weeks at a time. And so uh, I guess right now I've been to every state besides Maine, Alaska, and Hawaii. Everything else I've been to. And so uh, I, j of course, got to see a bunch of landscapes, uh, meet a lot of really cool people. And I was probably 12, 11, something like that. I was young. And so it was more of like geography and geology. I kept going back to wanting to read about it, that kind of stuff. And so after that community college, uh, my wife was actually at Texas State, about an hour away, and I just kept setting up meetings with the administration because I kept getting my application denied, and rightly so. My grades are very poor. And so I actually want to try and find out the person. But uh, one day I went, I scheduled this meeting with one of their undergraduate coordinators, whatever, and I talked to her for probably 10 minutes, and then she went over to the computer and uh, clicked a button, and she said, uh, congratulations, you're in. That was it. That's a great example of being persistent. Oh, yeah. Something that you truly want to do. Yeah, because it was a lot. There was some stuff going on at home and stuff that I wanted to get away from. And I, like, I said it to myself. I didn't, I don't know if I actually believed it or not. But I kept saying, I, if I got away and I was by myself, I would be much better. And, I mean, my, uh, my wife and I have been together since we were 17. So... She, for the first two years of college, she was away and that kind of sucked and it was a whole mess of things. But uh, once I was at Texas State, it was great. Uh, my first semester there, I became the president of the geology club. I started taking on a bunch of responsibility to keep myself busy and keep my mind occupied. So it was like, it was that and then getting into student government and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so tell me more about that because I, I, was, I was running to something I don't even think it was president but maybe like secretary someone nominated me yeah. and and I, I didn't make it because I didn't take it seriously I didn't really want to do it but I stood up to at least try yeah, so what was it like being involved in the, the student government side for uh, so, the geology program yeah the so the geology thing came a year beforehand okay and I had just got there I went through a semester of just being involved with the club just kind of see how it goes and then at the end of that semester, at the end of my first semester, 
uh, they said that the president was graduating, that kind of stuff, and they needed uh, somebody else. And so they took nominations. I was nominated, and then I voted in or whatever. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. So well, long overdue. <laughs> Is it something you're still involved in? Uh, no, not really. I... I mean, I left behind all the material and stuff, like how I would do it. Because when I, actually, when I took over, it was very poorly ran. It was just very, all, it was all over the place. No, it wasn't promoted on campus or anything like that. Uh, so I like, updated the bulletin board. I like rewrote the codes of conduct and uh, how to be a volunteer with the group, <clears throat> the, the process of being initiated, all that kind of stuff. That summer before, uh, I started school, I talked to a few professors and asked them some book recommendations and that kind of stuff. And so there are really uh, two at Texas State who helped me out a ton. And I still actually talk to them quite a bit now. Uh, oh, that's good. It's important to maintain those contacts. Yeah, I mean, there are, one uh, is Dr. DeHaan. He's like the coolest dude ever. He, uh, he did some work with NASA. Uh, there's really cool posters and stuff all around his office but he's he's brilliant even now he just does kind of his own independent research he does a lot of research of uh, caves on mars it's pretty cool and then the other is dr earl and he uh he's more like geomorphology type stuff uh, but they're both super nice very laid back like your typical geologist very approachable very yeah. friendly willing to share information and yeah genuinely care about your well-being yeah that's I'd say that's true but that's pretty much it. I mean, as soon as I got to Texas State, it was like uh, dean's list every year, like just good grades, like good state of mind, uh, keeping myself busy, that kind of stuff. And then I guess we can kind of transition to work out of university. We're good. Yeah. Want to? Yeah, because I, I mean, I, we both ended up, this kind of what brought us together is work. Yeah. yeah. We started working for the same company oil-based out of university, but I don't think I've ever talked to you. You say oil-based, but it could be blood-based. We it don't could, know yet. Yeah, we don't know the dark secrets of this company. I can I consider myself a crip, <laughs> out of blood. Uh, so how did you even find out about that company? That's a great question, Taylor. Uh, well, I, you actually have to go back in time with me to when I was still in uh, university. It was my junior year, and there was a, an offering for a petroleum geology course, and it was something that I was interested in. At the time, I was teetering back and forth between uh, hydro and petro. So, and, and, I'm, and I'm still, I would say I have both feet in both of them as far as my interests and passion, but... For the sake of this story, it's related to petroleum geology. So there was a course there. I, I was able to learn a lot of the um, basics of actually being a, a well site geologist yeah. and a lot of the um, important information that they would use to, to do their job. And part of the, the course, again, was uh, a field trip where we visited a, uh, an oil field service company's base. It was Baker Hughes. It was a Baker Hughes wireline service that was just a couple miles north of where my university was. And, and even though it was wireline, I had no idea what I was looking at at the time. It was just a, a big tube of circuits and wiring that made no sense. And what a dump truck with a uh, cable spool on the back of it. 
in a small cabin that could barely fit two people of normal size. Wondering how you're going to fit three people, three obese individuals in there is uh, beyond me, but... Yeah, so... So, that I mean, that's the probably the first time I honestly heard of Baker Hughes. And, and then um, after that, uh, some time went by. I graduated, and for my, for my graduation, uh, there's a capstone course where you do a field, patrol, a field geology course. And on that course, uh, one of the individuals that was attending there, we, we stayed in contact afterwards. And he, he told me, because uh, I, was, I was looking for a job at the time, I was just doing uh, some work at a warehouse in Detroit. And, and he tipped me off on like the procedures of going about applying on the website. Yeah. Because uh, being as naive as I was, being an undergraduate with a geology degree, I thought you go to these websites and you apply for the geology position. And you don't. <laughs> no, <it's> that's that's <laughs> not, yeah. you are not a geologist. Yeah, that's rule number one. <laughs> You, you're not what they consider a geologist. You apply for the janitorial position, yeah. and then you hope that they're, that one of the well sites dies. See, I had a, uh, a college degree, so I was going for, like, paper boy, fax boy. I was just trying to hedge my bets a little bit. But, no, it was a field technician analyst, a yeah. field technician engineer at the time. Uh, I don't know which one, but I honestly, I submitted the application, and I didn't hear anything for about five months. And then I finally got... Uh, an interview, a phone interview. The phone interview went well, and then they said they weren't going to be able to do a face-to-face interview for another four months. So for me, like the interview process was like a long time. I I know that if you do the math, it comes out to nine months, but it's probably closer to like six or seven, which is probably elaborating on the, the time That's scale. Crazy. Yeah, and it was somewhat frustrating. I mean, I went to the the hiring uh, process there in Houston and some of these people were just like contacted a couple weeks before by headhunters yeah. who just were doing uh, the work of Schlumberger to get get warm bodies so but that's that's pretty much how I got got into it I I wanted to um, ever since that uh, petroleum geology course yeah. to work in the service industry for whatever reason because I never really thought I would be able to swing the operator side but the service industry is, is certainly a good place to get your feet wet yeah. if you don't if you don't have a master's or if you don't have previous experience like you're you'll learn a lot and yeah. and honestly from some uh training operators that I've, I've worked with before you you'll know more than them too like they might know more of the office stuff but they they have no idea what's going on out there. Yeah, I mean, it might be good. We might just have uh, it'll be good to get people's questions because I at UL there's obviously a ton of petroleum, and so uh, some of them know that I worked in the industry for a little bit, and so I always get questions. Oh, what do you recommend? That kind of stuff. So it might be good to do like a little episode, like a little Q and A episode. That'd be cool. Of, uh, I wouldn't be what against to it. Look out for uh, kind of the process and what to expect on, uh, going offshore and that kind of stuff. I think that'd be helpful for a lot of people. And especially weight is not an issue. You don't, <laughs> if, if anyone has told you that you have to be physically fit to work offshore, they lied to you. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that's a but whole that's for another, that's itself. for another episode. <laughs> but even some, uh, some of the well sites that were offshore came from service companies. That's and true. They get picked off by these operators. Right. 
like a lot of the times and we're probably better off saving this but it's about uh, it's about i mean just to wrap that up it's about who you know and it's about years in the in the industry but also i mean where you're at today you have like a knowledge of everything that's going on on the rig whereas most of the people that are out there are doing one specific job day in and day out so uh, i mean we we kind of went left here for a second but you were we i was asking you about you uh you joined university uh uh oh at texas state texas, yeah okay texas state your experiences with the uh, chowji program yeah as far as the uh it's not the academic side but it's like the social social group side yeah geology club and also i'm like pretty uh but what got you into geology i don't think oh it was the it was the grand canyon yeah i was just like i just kept coming back to it and then uh in 2010 actually ken burns released a documentary of the national parks and like i purchased the whole disc set and uh constantly watched it and i just kept picking up uh, i read a lot of the uh, roadside guides Okay. Uh, geology books and stuff. Those, and are, those are pretty well done. Yeah, I mean, it was just a thing where I just kept getting more and more and reading more about the subject, and I just, I like being outside. I liked hiking. I started getting into geocaching. Uh, it's like these treasure hunts with your GPS. You ever do that here in Louisiana? Yeah. And it's, yeah. What'd you find? Normally, there's just, like, little trinkets and stuff like that. Uh, nothing. I've never found a trackable yet. Because you can track them and then you move them to a different geocache, oh. and then you can go check the log online and see where that trackable has been in the world. Is it? A, is it? A, is the trackable something that's attached to another object, or is it just kind of like? Can, a, yeah, they just like they're like little fuck. pendants or something. Okay. They're they're small. They come. They're all different types, I guess. They come in different, uh, like animals or designs. But yeah, so it was just like a combination of all that where I just started doing more outdoorsy things and was trying to find something that I was actually interested in because for two years of college so far it wasn't the case I was interested in nothing I did <clears throat> some pre-med stuff I did criminal justice stuff I was just bouncing I was all over the place but luckily I, I found it within a reasonable amount of time two years but still a little long rather rather take two extra years and be happy with my decision than oh yeah definitely rush through something and, and hate it yeah that's it i mean i tell people like how awful i was in school and i guess when i go through the whole story it sounds like i'm bragging or whatever that my grades were uh, very good at texas state but i only i like to tell people because i cannot express how awful of a student i was and just did not give a shit really about much of anything at all and then one like it seemed like overnight something clicked and then i found something and then it's just been the ball rolling downhill ever since it's fantastic but every, it just takes that one little thing i don't know what it was i don't it wasn't like one specific event it was just like this uh, it was just a snowball of one thing leading to another that yeah i guess i could touch on more about my own experiences yeah. with what of why i enjoyed so many of the aspects that are incorporated with geology as you said being outdoors adventure yeah uh, very like most sciences there's challenges yeah. that need to be overcome so yeah it's very very Again, fun it's probably like that for most of the people in geology like we're all trying to run away from being behind a desk yeah oh that sounds terrible and I'm Even, still doing it now but I get to get outside a little bit yeah, even um, 
Well, I don't feel like I can share that, so. <laughs> I'm just going to skip yeah. over that. <laughs> well, so you've only given your first name. Yeah. No, I paid. Oh, man. So, your process? Yes. Uh, took kind of long. Mine was quick. Right. It's like amazing. And I didn't even know about it. So, like, my. How'd you apply? In person, so you applied. You went to their corporate office and you said, "I'd no, like no, no. to be a mud logger." <laughs> yeah, I folded my resume into a paper airplane and I, I it gently glided it towards human resources. Here you go. And there was what? How, how many no, pennies were attached to it? My junior year, Exxon, came to our school, and the recruiter there, I let. I was sitting there. There were probably like 50 students in this presentation. It was kind of a lot, and it was a small room, so he gave the presentation of like what to expect at Exxon, that kind of stuff. And uh, I waited for everybody to talk to the recruiter, and then everybody left, and then I was like in the back room, and then I came out, and it's like, oh, you got one more. <laughs> and then like gave him my resume, so I'd have more time to talk to him. Okay, smart. So, yeah, it was very snake-like. And so I talked to him, and he was like, oh, good, you're graduating next year. Uh, like keep in touch and so I emailed them a couple times throughout that year leading up to my senior year because he told me they were coming back and be looking for people all that kind of stuff and uh, he came back during my senior year and I was like hey man what's going on and then he was uh, retiring and he was oh, like you so need to talk to this person to be hired now and so I talked to her and she, I gave her my resume and uh, she never got back to me by like such a good rapport with this guy and then he turned he retired and then this lady took over and never emailed me or anything and then a couple months went by and i emailed her and she's like oh sorry we're not hiring anymore and this is with exxon yeah and then uh, uh actually like two days after they were uh they came to our school a second time this other company who i ended up working with uh, was at the school but they were looking for engineers and I had never heard of this company before, and so I just printed out my resume, walked over, and I uh, sat through their presentation or whatever, let all the engineers go, and then I went up to them and talked to them. And I was like, hey, I'm into geology, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, he was like, all right, I have this stack of resumes. If I email you tonight, it means we want you to interview tomorrow. Oh, and that's so, awesome. Yeah, and so I went back to my apartment, and then I got an email like at 11-something at night. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I have my, that was my first interview. And so I went the next day and it was like two guys asking me questions. Uh, I don't know what your questions were like, but mine were nonsensical. Why are manhole covers round? Uh, how many people in Texas have a credit card? So that happens and then I guess not even a week later, they, it was like the second round of interviews and that's where we all went to Houston. Okay. I think you were there. Uh, they did like the site interview. Uh, I don't. So yeah, the second round of interviews. But we'll save that for, uh, I guess, when we talk about what to expect. Well, yeah. So I, I had a phone interview, but when I ended up going to Houston, that was my, my second round. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was the one where they took it to a facility to tour. But let's uh, let's let's jump over to something else now. Yeah. We'll get off work. We'll, we'll, we will do a whole podcast of like what to expect in the oil industry. I think that would be nice if it was supplemented by, if anyone does listen, because I, 
I hope somebody does. Or else this is just going to be like talk therapy pretty yeah. much. I like it. And a whole lot of me editing nonsense. That's it. Well, it gives you the time to be creative. Maybe you can just like put music in there. <laughs> Do yeah. something else. Yeah, I guess we can move on to more current day stuff. And then uh, we can finish up our discussion with uh, What's the, time right the Science March. Uh, but, but something you did, something that you were involved in recently here in the... Lafayette area was uh, Earth Day. So what what was going on there that you, yeah. you and your wife were involved in? So this past weekend, so we're recording on a Friday. So this past weekend on the 22nd was actual Earth Day. And then coinciding with the Earth Day was the March for Science. And so my wife and I went down there and there were probably about somewhere between 200, 250 people, which in Lafayette is a substantial amount, I guess. It's not a very large city, but also... We were in the south. <laughs> that had some other factors going on here, and so uh, it was a pretty nice turnout. It was way more than I was expecting. Uh, did you see many ages represented, or was it mostly college students? There's a lot children? of there's a lot of kids, uh, a lot of families. That's good. But what what happened at the march? <clears throat> yeah. What were you involved in? So uh, we just made some signs. <laughs> like a, a, there are a lot of signs out there. Uh, we didn't, it was about two hours, a two hour march, and we walked up, uh, it was down, what was it, it was Congress. Congress is one of the most busy uh, roads in Lafayette, so it's Congress, Johnston, and Cali Saloon are the most traveled. So we marched down Congress, people were honking, that kind of stuff. I interpreted it as support. It could have been the other way around, though, they could have not liked that. Because there was a march, what was the, the reception of the the local community of it shopkeepers was, and, uh, and other buildings that you were going by. Receptive? Joining yeah, in? I mean, I I haven't talked to like the general public about it, but there were well, some stations out there. Well, I mean, what what were they doing at the time? Did they come out? No. Okay, there was, I mean, like I said, it was on a busy street, so there aren't any like front shops or anything like that. It's a, it's a busy road for Lafayette, so it's four lanes. <laughs> and then uh, that's where the stadiums are. Okay. And so, I mean, people going up and down that road are 50-ish miles an hour, something like that. So it was just a lot of honking, that kind of stuff. But there were some news stations out there, and it got covered on, uh, like, all three news stations that we have in Lafayette. There you go. So there was a march. Yeah. And, and where did the march end, and was there anything that happened at the end of the march? Was there a... A rally of sorts or public speaking? Yeah, so we stopped halfway. So we marched for basically an hour, stopped, and then there were some guest speakers. I, for, I forget their names, but they were from some different organizations around Lafayette. And then at the end, uh, the organizer for the march spoke, and then there were some, also some others uh, with some local, uh, from other local groups that spoke. That's nice. Yeah, it was a nice get-together, and it was a nice day. People seemed to enjoy it. But it was it was relatively small. Well received though. Yeah. Well, even even if it's a small group of people, it's uh, it's kind of like the butterfly effect where one person or one uh, instance can can have a dramatic effect on others. Yeah. I mean, do you want to get into like some of the politics about it? Or? I thought we were talking about Earth Day. I thought the march was for. Earth it was Day. on Earth Day. Yeah, that's kind of I guess what we can. So I was just gonna say, I was transition just gonna to pivot you to Earth Day March on Science. Yeah, so the whole burning. point of it was to coincide with Earth Day. Oh, okay. 
Um, and so I guess then there's this kind of fine line that you're walking between promoting science and then being anti whoever the president is at the time, I guess. So I guess that was my wife's biggest hurry is like making sure the right message is is put out. I think there's there's also a point to be made about regarding science as a whole is that there should the the focus of peer review, yeah. which which hasn't been addressed too much recently that I've heard about recently, but yeah. even even these skeptics of um, scientific evidence are are not satisfied with the process of peer review where it's uh, a subject reviewed by individuals who are uh, considered experts in the field of that. The, la- the last stories that I've read yeah. refer to them as, as being upset that, that they cannot weigh in, but they're not... Uh, they haven't studied it. You know, it's yeah. it, it it's uh, it's illogical to say that myself as a, an individual who studied geology and and know nothing of um, uh, brain brain surgery should have any say in it. I should. Yeah, I, think I mean, that's kind of the. <clears throat> I guess I was saying science isn't political but whenever you have uh, certain administrations that are not accepting of just factual based evidence then unfortunately it it sort of starts to become political which is unfortunate because we should just accept facts as they are facts and then we can debate how to solve that yeah and that was kind of uh my own worries going into the march is not alienating one type of voter uh, because again, science should be it should be accepted by all. It shouldn't belong to one party or the other. And as soon as you tell people they voted for the wrong person or they're wrong, they're like you don't have any chance of bringing them into your camp. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You bring that up because um, I did stay at your Airbnb last night and this morning. Ula Lafayette. Ooh la la Lafayette. Yeah. Five stars Lafayette. Great pricing. <laughs> Great I need entertainment. To, I made the price $65 the first time, and I should have made it $69. 69 is a nice price. 69 is the right price. <laughs> well, Ooh la la Lafayette is uh, great amenities. Fantastic. Oatmeal in the morning. <laughs> Earl Grey tea. The Enviro Kids oatmeal. And they have... Uh, Visual entertainment that I've not seen elsewhere <laughs> yeah. in, in my walks on Earth. So it's worth checking it out. Check it out on Airbnb. <laughs> Ooh la la Lafayette. It's closed right now. I, I, it's already booked. I yeah, it's booked for the whole year, people. What do we want if to finish you, if you write If you write John, he might be able to <laughs> work something out for you. But, but the point I wanted to bring up was we were watching Vice News. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Vice News did a... It's the first time that I've seen Vice News. And, and they did a short uh, segment on the... the oh, the scientists part. getting involved in yeah, politics. Yeah, the scientists getting involved in politics. And, and the president's was that uh, having more science-focused individuals becoming involved in politics was mm-hmm. a good thing. And I genuinely agree. I feel there's a place for science in politics. The issue that I find with this is 
that uh, with with the most recent election that we've had, mm-hmm. there was just a, a clear difference between actually voting a politician into office as a politician. Yeah. The person had the individual had no political experience. He had uh, business experience, yeah. which I'll. I'll Give him the benefit of the doubt, says, and say that it had some overlapping qualities and uh, applicable interests between politics and business. Yeah. But as far as like being a cabinet member, Senate, Congress, lawyer, yeah. anything, it doesn't have it. And through speaking speaking with some individuals, that was the reason why they voted for him. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with his credentials. It was just he wasn't a politician, and that's all that mattered. So it wasn't. It was that, and in addition to it, it sounded as if there was this uh, um, voice of he he can speak for the common people, where they didn't feel like they're being talked down to. And and don't can't you uh, relate? Not relate, but can't you? Uh, understand that to some degree if we begin um, forming this base of scientists becoming involved in politics that you're going to be dealing with the same issue of at least with a one with a political party where they just feel like they're being talked down to and they don't appreciate that much yeah that's uh, that's kind of where I was going earlier with communicating science properly Okay. And not being too in your face and uh, t- just flat out telling people they're wrong, but just showing them how to arrive at certain conclusions, I guess. There's a right, there, there's a right way to do it, I guess. But like, I was watching Bill Nye's new Netflix show. Like, I like Bill Nye. I grew up watching all his shows and stuff. And like, some of the episodes of the new show are good, but I mean, some of them is like, uh, some of the new episodes are just very preachy, and. I know immediately as soon as anybody who thinks differently is just automatically going to turn them off and be even less accepting of science. But I don't even like putting scientists in uh, government is fine, but I I do want to stress to people that uh, like just because they're scientists doesn't make them better. It's the fact that they go through, uh, they use critical thinking skills and a a linear logical line of reasoning to arrive at a conclusion. Right. It's, it's more the line of critical thinking that I want to stress to people rather than just science as a whole. I think if we get people on board with just critical thinking skills and reading critically or watching any news critically or whatever, it's better served than just preaching science to them. Yeah. It's being proactive instead of reactive. It's saying it's, it's like playing chess. It's thinking five moves ahead instead of one move. Yeah. Like, this is the move I need to make but there's another uh, way of thinking when playing chess where it's like, I do this, this, and then he's going to do this. It's the, it's the yeah. countering. Uh, it's interesting. This podcast got very serious. For a second. It's good. We can lighten it up. It's good. What else? Uh, let's see. I don't know what else I really have to say. I feel like we've been talking for like an hour. I feel like so. Well, this will be edited down quite a bit. I don't know how long we'll make the episodes, but it'll be different. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add? 
We'll certainly expand on some of these topics going forward. I think this is a good primer for people to become uh, familiar with our voices. This, this is the hook. This is the hook, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is what's going to get you coming yeah, back. This, one, this one's free. No, I. <laughs> yeah, this is the free one. Uh, no, I don't have anything to say. But for those that are tuning in and are taking the time just to listen to this, I don't feel like either of us really have any. Uh, direction that we're trying to pitch no. just more or less bullshitting with you while we're drinking some beer and and we'd appreciate more or less getting some feedback on it so holler at us yeah hey what what's your what's your idea in having like what if there's someone who wants to meet up with us in Lafayette and be on the show with us I'm fine with that okay yeah I don't, I'm, I'm cool with that too so you can follow me on Twitter at geologist Taylor our website where the podcast is hosted is tdgeology.com. And if you have any questions or anything about the podcast, you can email us at uogpodcast at gmail.com. And all that info I'll put in the show notes and you can click on it and it'll be super easy for you to access us. And uh, as always, please tell people about the podcast if you enjoy it and also leave only five-star reviews and whatever you write under that five-star review i will read i will not bleep anything out it will be unedited i will read whatever you put anything else john no no that pretty much sums it up again just want to say thanks for tuning in yeah uh, for sure and we don't know exactly what we're doing but uh, we'll, we'll learn as we go, and I hope you found, found it somewhat entertaining. Yeah. I guess we should apologize for how all over the place this first episode was. We had no notes on this, really. We went off of nothing. Uh, this is really, in case you couldn't tell, this is a free-flowing conversation. We're doing it live. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just write it as we go. We're doing it live. Yeah. That's Bill Other, other episodes will have a much clearer direction, so... I wouldn't say that. We'll Maybe. try. We'll try to stay on topic. But as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And until then, we will see you next time. And see you later. Yeah. Hasta la vista. <laughs> That's what you want to sign off with. I was going to say or hasta luego. <laughs> yeah, we need to like a catch. Like, stay rock hard. Stay rock hard. Because <laughs> really, you're, you want that to be Maybe. a sign off? Why not? I thought it'd be funny. What was the original name we had for the podcast? Two Hard Guys and then in parentheses Rock. <laughs> Two Hard Rock Guys. Yeah. It's either... Stay it's, Rock Hard. Yeah, because people were like looking right. in iTunes like, oh, is this porn or is this like a music podcast? I don't know. We'll get more downloads that way, I guess. For sure. All right. Stay Rock Hard. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, and uh, we're going to head down to festival and go listen to uh, some, a bunch of music and have some grapes. Is that what you're looking for? I'm looking for some grapes. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later.